Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. My name is Solange Peters. I'm the head of medical oncology in Lausanne in Switzerland. We will discuss today the perspectives for adjuvant immunotherapy in non-small cell lung cancer. There remains an unmet need in resectable non-small cell lung cancer. As you can see, up to half of the patients will have to experience a relapse with a very early non-small cell lung cancer of stage 1b, with up to three patients out of four having such a recurrence in stage 3 non-small cell lung cancer. Here you can see the new opportunities for immunotherapy being developed. First of all, on the upper part of the slide, the adjuvant approaches with the surgery being followed yes or no by chemotherapy, followed by immunotherapy, most often one year. And here we have already two trials having given results. But of course, the, the very vast potential also of neoadjuvant or perioperative immunotherapy. We have one readout, which is a pure and the only pure neoadjuvant trial, such as made 816, giving three cycles of immunochemo before surgery, and all of the of a series of immunotherapy plus chemotherapy followed by surgery, followed by immunotherapy. We call it sandwich or perioperative. As you can see, several trials with only one partial readout in a press release, but all of this trial will give us other additional insights into this opportunity in the very next future. Then at the end, the complexity will be, of course, to decide. In the adjuvant setting, because that's the topic of today, we have been establishing adjuvant chemotherapy as a standard. And this is true for stage 2A uh, in the HCNM classification, meaning more than 4 centimeter to stage 3B, with an absolute benefit of survival at 5 years of 5.4% as this established by the LACE meta-analysis. The first trials having requestioned the standard of care in the adjuvant setting after surgery were this IAM Power 10 and PEARLS Keynote 091 trial. They had very similar design. They looked at stage 1B, more than 4 centimeters according to the 70NM to stage 3. And they look at patients having uh, uh, benefited from a complete resection of the disease. They have some differences. First of all, in IAM Power 10, adjuvant chemo was mandatory at least one cycle. In PULSE trial, it was led to the investigator. So second difference is IAM Power 10 is using one year of atezolizumab in the adjuvant setting in the experimental arm versus best supportive care. The PULSE is using one year of pembrolizumab versus placebo, slightly different. And as you will see, later on, the endpoints of the trial, very complex endpoints, by the way, are slightly different. Last but not least, the IAM Power 10 is stratified according to many factors you can see on this slide, but the PDL1 stratification uses an old scoring system, which makes the stratification not very accurate, which is not the case for PERS, which is decently stratified for PDL1. But you will agree with me, Looking at the curves of disease-free survival stage 1b to stage 3 in both trials, they look very comparable. And what is important to also conclude is we can observe a benefit of adjuvant immunotherapy versus nothing in these patients after this radical treatment. You can see here the numbers. So let's start with IAM Power 10. You will see that we have approvals for IAM Power 10, which are not the same at the time being uh, across borders for uh, US, Japan and China. 
it's stage two to stage three a pdl one positive and in europe it's only high pdl one more than 50 percent and you will see why so the ion power 10 has this design we have been discussing it has a very complex hierarchy uh, of endpoints uh, as being defined as first looking at stage two to stage three positive pdl one population which is the registration in the us uh, remember and in japan and china would it be positive the hierarchy conserves the alpha to read dfs in all stage two to stage three population irrespective of pdl1 would it be positive dfs in the itd population including the stage 1b if would be positive overall survival and as you can see on that slide here the primary endpoint us registration stage 2 to 3 more than 1% pdl1 is strongly positive hazard ratio 0.66 if you get rid of the pdl1 still you can see a benefit in all randomized stage 2 to stage 3 but to a lower extent and in itt population these significant boundaries were not met so basically this is what we have now. But when you look on the right-hand side of the distribution by PDL1, it looks quite obvious that the benefit is first of all driven by positive PDL1 tumors, but more than anything, by highly positive PDL1, the more than 50%. So you will understand this registration in positive PDL1, uh, stage two to three in the US and in Europe, more than 50% PDL1. And on the left-hand side, you have this graph corresponding to DFS in high PDL1, hazard ratio 0.4. At the time being, we have been exposed to the first data about OS. Remember, in the hierarchy, it's exploratory because it should not be looked at currently. And of course, it's still immature. But as you can see in that next slide, there is no overall survival benefit being observed uh, in all populations, except, of course, a signal that something can emerge potentially in high PDL1 more than 50%. Let's look at Keynote 091. So the endpoints were slightly easier. Two dual co-primary endpoints, meaning that if one endpoint is positive, the trial is deemed positive. DFS in the ITT or DFS in PDL1 high non-small cell lung cancer, these are both the dual co-primary endpoints. On the left-hand side, you have the DFS in the overall population, which is significant, meaning stage 1B to stage 3. Regardless, irrespective of PDL1 level, hazard ratio 0.76, this endpoint is met. But surprisingly, in the subgroup where the benefit is supposed to be the best, look for example at IAM Power 10, in the high PDL1 more than 50%, the dual co-primary endpoint is not met and the difference is not significant. I had the opportunity to analyze this data and as you can see, the benefit of pembrolizumab is observed on the next slide in negative PDL1 in 1 to 49, but the median are not reached and the benefit is not seen in more than 50% PDL1. The interest is to analyze why is it the case. So very reassuring that in the pembrolizumab arm, you see this incre incremental of efficacy of pembrolizumab according to PDL1. So the more PDL1, the more benefit. That is what expect is expected, and it's really comforting in what we know from advanced and early disease. The surprise comes from the placebo arm, where there is an overperformance of the placebo arm in high PDL1. Remember, usually PDL1 is not prognostic, and if anything has a negative impact on the prognosis. So we expect this arm to be as the other ones, the high PD1 placebo, or even lower. So an overperformance which is unexplainable or multifactorial probably of the placebo arm. So basically, the conclusion of PEARLS is probably that you can uh, use pembrolizumab in the ITT population, and that might be where the industry will go for registration. 
So this is the portfolio of current trials looking at adjuvant immunotherapy. We've been seeing IAM Power 10 and PERLS, but there are other trials to come. All of these trials use one year of adjuvant immunotherapy. Is it correct? We don't know. And they all look at slightly different endpoints and stratification factor, but they will consolidate, I'm convinced, the idea of adjuvant immunotherapy being an option in these patients. The competition with neoadjuvant and perioperative treatments will be the most complex debate we will have in the future in our tumor boards and in the lung cancer community. So basically, adjuvant immunotherapy for early-stage non-small cell lung cancer, we are being defining new standards using neoadjuvant, perioperative, or adjuvant IO for resectable early non-small cell lung cancer. But this is, of course, in addition to what we know to the current standard of care. We shouldn't take the short way to replace the radical surgery or even the adjuvant chemotherapy, which are strongly established. Atezolizumab improved DFS in stage 2 to 3 PD-1 positive non-small cell lung cancer. In Europe, it's only registered in high PDL one Pembrolizumab improved DFS in stage 1B to 3, mainly stage 2 to 3, irrespective of PDL one but it's still not registered, and we wait for long-term OS data. And with this, I thank you for your wonderful attention, and I'm looking forward to discuss this data with you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.